Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Hey, good evening. How are you doing? What does the guy got to do to get a hello in here? Come on. Like, how are you doing? No, I don't even believe you now because I had to ask for it twice. I, now I think you're liars and I don't even want to do this anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Every time I come up and I'm going to, I just need a little something. I just need to know you're awake and we're going ready to go, okay? Oh, man. If you don't know me, I'm the guy who always asks for the hello at the top. No, my name is Lucas and myself and Trina, my wife, we just loved to serve this house, serve this place. We've been at this church for a long time. And if you haven't met us, we'd love to meet you. If you're new to church, we'd love to connect with you, like she was saying. And we just really believe that this can be a place where you can be grounded, um, where you can find hope, where you can find community. That would be our heart. That would be our hope. So welcome here. Welcome to Coastline Nights, basically our, our, our last service of the day as a church. Uh, something really exciting happened today, just as we've been talking and just as a, like, kind of an announcement, but lead into the sermon. Um, something really exciting took place in our church. And I want you just to see the whole picture. So can I just take us through it for a second? We uh, obviously, uh, when COVID hit, things shut down for a long time and we were online and different pieces and different things kind of moved aside. And so our West Shore community, which we love so dearly, had no place to go. They were renting the Belmont Theater for a long time, which was a great place for us to connect with the school. It was awesome. And for a long time, they had no place to go until recently, the Langford Business Center was built and opened up and we were able to be there for a long time. And can I just tell you, as much as, excuse me, as much as that space was a blessing, it was a lot. It was difficult. It was tiny. If you ever went, it was just hard to be there as, as a community as big as ours. And so just today, which is so exciting, as we talk about being movers and builders today, as we continue on in our series, about making a difference, about our pillars as a church, today, this morning at 10 a.m., our West Shore community got to pack up, got to move, and got to go back to Belmont for the first time in, since, I, like, before, like, well before COVID. And I just want you to know, it's okay. No, I'm not even going to ask for it. I didn't even want to ask for it because, I, you know. <clears throat> Here's why this is significant. You have to see this for a second. If you've ever been in a place where you had a dream that was broken, if you were ever in a place where you were running and moving and going somewhere and, and then things fell apart, if you've ever had that feeling take place, you can understand why as a church it's so significant for us why we're telling every single service today, why we continue to share with you that God is truly up to something. Because when you come back to your, the place you were, when, when, when I know, I was texting Adam this week, when they got to even prepare and practice on Friday before Sunday, it's, it's like coming back to the promises that you knew God had for you. It, 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 it honestly, it encourages and, and creates faithfulness like you didn't think possible. And so can I just share with you, our God is still moving. He is absolutely alive and well, and he's doing work amongst you, through you, whether you've never been to West Shore or not, that campus is thriving. They had great numbers today. People came out. It was so exciting. Our, when our God says he's gonna do something, he does it. And I need you to hear that even for your own life today. Maybe you don't have any attachment to West Shore, our Coastline West Shore campus. Maybe you have no attachment to it. 
you can still see the significance and hear, hear this tonight before we even get going. God is not done yet. We just sang a song about that. That he's not done with you. He's not done with our church. He is still moving. God is up to something so incredible. And I'm so grateful that our God is a promise keeper. Amen? So be encouraged. Stuff is Really exciting stuff is happening at our church. It's really significant. Um, like I said, we're in week number four of a series called We Are Coastline. We recently changed our name. If you haven't been here in a while, we are now Coastline Church, which is really exciting. And we've just been walking through the pillars, which are really just the things that make us us. And so we've kind of walked through them all. We've used kind of Isaiah 61 as a springboard into our sermon series. And so if you know us at all, we, we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose. And we want you to make a difference. We want you to truly actively use your faith to love people, to share the gospel, to be like servants of the Lord. Like, like we said last week, we believe that you were called, gifted, and there's intrinsic value on your life. And it's our job to show the world that. And so this week, I want to share with you, I want you to make a difference. I want you to truly do that, which I know goes in line with last week, which, and they do, but it's bigger than just serving. Last week was about calling. It was about recognizing your gifts. It was about understanding the risk if you don't use your gifts, right? Like Paul, when he, when he says that to Timothy, he's saying, guard the good deposit, right, on your life. And so understanding what happens if we don't activate in that stewardship and steward that grace he's given us. And this week, it's a, it's a similar idea. I just wonder if we've complicated it complicated it in, into this place of, I don't really know what it means to like make a difference. Like, what do you mean when you say, be, I wanna be, we are movers and builders? Like Andy used this thought recently. He said, as a church, we're gonna move with the movers and we're gonna build with the builders. What he's really trying to say, and what I feel like I've been saying a lot to this community ever since the six started, was that we would not be people who were content to sit in the pews and consume Christian content. To just say, I, you know, if I don't get to church, that's okay. I can just watch the sermon. It's not a big deal because that's enough. Friends, sitting in the pew is not enough. And I think sometimes I might tiptoe around that. But I'm here to tell you right now, it's not enough. It's not enough because that's not what God calls us to do. This is a part of what we get to do as a follower of Jesus. But this is not what we're called to do and how to activate our faith. And it's, it's so much more than that. So he doesn't just call you to just like sit and consume. He said, no, no, I want you to move things and people and lives. I want you to build. I want you to support. He, he, in, in Isaiah 61, if we were to go there, he'd say, we want to rebuild the ancient ruins that were destroyed. And we want things to be renewed again and restored to the original setting. That's what he's called us to do. And I think we've gotten so far away from just kind of listening to Jesus and doing what he tells us to do. We kind of overcomplicate what it means to be a Christian. And then sometimes we like, not like to, but we un underestimate or undersell what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I wonder if we could just kind of stop using the pendulum analogy for a second. Can we just fix our eyes on Jesus, center ourselves on what he says, and truly live and activate? And can you hear me say over you today, can we be a community as we come into the fall Yes, I know it's 22 degrees today, but I unfortunately tell you, it is the fall, <laughs> apparently. Anyways, it's apparently the fall. We're in the fall. I don't like it either, so whatever. We're in the fall. And I just wonder if we could start the fall off, this year off, with that Romans 12 mindset. I wonder if that could be our, 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 our frame of mind as we consider what it means to be a mover and a builder with the Lord. I want, like, like Paul writes, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters... Like he urges, he's, he's constantly writing with this, this sense of urgency in view of the mercy you've received or in view of God's mercy. 
to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, to offer up yourselves, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I just want this to be the mindset. For this, we are coastline. For us, coastline nights, that we would be these sort of people, that in view of the grace of God, we continue to offer ourselves to say, Jesus, whatever you're asking of me, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to go, I'll go. However you want me to move, I'll move. Whatever you want me to build, I'll build. Whatever is broken, show me how you want me to restore it. Because that's what we're called to be as a church. That's what we want to be as a church. We want to see things and people and places and, and churches that are broken and say, oh, that's fine. No, this is a huge part of why we exist. This is so important. And so tonight I want to go back to, actually back to 2 Timothy. As we look at this idea, I want to go back to 2 Timothy specifically because I just, I don't know, I've just been encouraged by these two letters recently. I think specifically for this community. Um, just so you know, this, this night is for you. doesn't matter what age you are, you're welcome here. Absolutely welcome here. We obviously target and we're driven by young adults. Young adults are serving. Aren't they so awesome? I love, like, just love this team. You guys are so great tonight. But young adults will be serving. I'm primarily preaching to that demographic, but you are so welcome here. But I think I love this letter, specifically for this time right now, because Paul is talking to his spiritual son, if you will. He's talking to someone he has empowered to go to, to lead the church or even a gathering of churches potentially in Ephesus. He's this young guy, maybe like, I don't know, 31, because I'm 31, and that's still young, right? Can I get an amen in the house? No? Okay, cool. That's cool. I know, the hairline says 44, but that's fine. Um, no, I don't know. Like, we don't really know, like 20s, 30s. We're assuming he's somewhere in that range. It's a big gap, but he's somewhere. Let's say 27, okay? So you got this 27-year-old guy whose mentor has sent him out. He's now at this place that is a very interesting yet difficult place town, there's like lots of people, all sorts of things going on, lots of money handling, there's lots of material items, big port city, like big, big town, right? And he says, as like a fatherly spiritual mentor, he says to his, his spiritual son, this young pastor who's having a difficult time, who is extremely talented, please hear this for a moment, is extremely talented, extremely gifted, has resources and has been empowered to go, and yet he lacks the courage and the boldness to do the thing he's been asked to do. And I think that describes this generation, my generation, the next generation. That with all the talent in the world, all the ability and skill, resources, wisdom, people who want to empower you, a church that is literally, this church literally saying, we're just banking it all on the next gen. We're just gonna do whatever it takes. Kids, youth, young adult, we're in. And yet, over 30 times, Paul will tell Timothy, who is a pastor, to be bold in his faith, to not be ashamed of his testimony, to push hard, to, be, to challenge, to preach, to fan, into, fan the gift into flame in his heart, right? You hearing why I love this letter, why I think this is so fitting for us? I think this is key here. And so his last thing, this is one of the last things he says to him. This is 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse uh, 4. It says this. In the presence, oh, excuse me, this is verse 1. My apologies. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. 
He is just setting up the stage. Imagine reading that. You're Timothy. You're like a little bit frightened already, like of what's going on in the call in your life, right? And Paul said, in the presence of God and of Christ. I need a deeper voice. This isn't good. But who will judge the living and the dead in view of his appearing in his kingdom? I give you this charge. Now listen, this is not me being Paul and you being Timothy. That would be bad preaching. That's not what's happening here, okay? This is for us to receive here. This is for all of us, every every person in our church to receive this. I give you this charge. Verse two, preach the word. You wanna be a mover, you wanna be a builder, you you wanna do what you're called to do, you wanna activate, you wanna strengthen the house, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. I love this. Not because I'm preaching right now, okay? That's not, that's not what it is. It's more than that, I promise. Talk about Jesus. Be prepared. Yeah, but things are crazy here, Paul. You have no idea. Be prepared. It is, it is summer here. It is nuts. It's going off. People are coming in left. I can't keep up with it. Be prepared in season and out of season to what? To, to know the word? To... to capture the word? No, to preach. And really he's saying to teach it, to to lovingly show people the gospel, the word of God. He's saying correct, rebuke, encourage, evangelize, which we don't like that word anymore. No matter how heavy life is, no matter how things are going, be ready to sit and talk and support and challenge and present the good news of Jesus. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. That's 2 Timothy. Hold fast. Rightly rightly hold on to the word of truth. Be a servant of the Lord. You must be able to teach. These are the type of things that Paul is constantly telling Timothy. And he's saying, listen, I don't want you just to know the word. I don't want you just to love the word. I don't want you just to put Philippians 4.13 in your Instagram bio. That's not moving. That's not building. That's easy. I'm saying I want you to truly love it in such a way that you're ready to share it every day. I didn't even want to say it. It sounded so Dr. Seuss. I didn't mean it for that, but it just ha- I really want you to love the gospel, that grace would empower you so much that you would be ready at any point in any conversation to preach the word. And I know we want to just live our comfortable Christian life. I get it. I do all the time. I totally get it. I'm a pastor. Most of my friends are pastors. It's really easy to find yourself in a bubble. Like, I, I really understand that. It'd be really nice to come here tonight and not talk about it or let anyone know at work. Hey, what do you, we get this question all the time. We'll be out on Saturday, me and Trina. What are you guys doing this weekend? Hanging with my kids? What are you doing? Like, I, I almost don't want to say, I'm going, we're going to be at three services tomorrow. You could love, I would love you to go. Like, I totally get it. I really do. I get it. But this is the charge. This is a commission. He's asking, if we, are, like, if we want to be a church that says and preaches that we were birthed out of revival, we're believing for more, I think we better be ready to preach the word, to literally be ready to teach and show and share the gospel. Are you hearing me tonight? But it says, with patience and careful instruction. And I think that's so key. I'm not asking you to go in tomorrow and throw a Bible at your boss's head. It's not what I'm asking you to do. Okay, it's not what Paul's saying but he's saying with careful instruction, with the utmost patience, preach the gospel. I think sometimes we, 
even as preachers, we've done maybe a disservice where we've said like your, and this is true, I'm not saying none of this stuff isn't true, but like your marriage will be the best sermon you ever preach. I think that's a good statement. I agree with that. Or just the way you serve and love people on that construction site. Or the way you just show, you know, patience with people and you let the fruit of the Spirit just come out of you in your life will be the greatest testimony you ever give. Absolutely. I don't disagree with any of that. But there's also a charge to be ready to literally share with, with verbs and words and, and language to talk about Jesus. And I think sometimes we felt like it should only be this one thing, and this is enough, and I'm an introvert. I don't really know how to share. I'm not... No, there is a charge here, young adults. There's a charge here, Coastline Knights, to be ready to share and teach and preach with careful instruction and with patience. I always think when I, when I saw that, read that, I instantly thought of this. One of my first jobs, um, kind of when I was a young adult, <clears throat> or... Yeah, but anyways, I was a cook, a line cook. Anyone ever work in a kitchen? Anyone in the house? What's up? Some people, yeah, yeah. McCray's, dish pit, JSO. I know it, I love it, great place. Like, more than that, I, don't, I just remember you dish pit. Maybe you line cook, no offense, doesn't matter, you get it. And I remember working the line a little bit and, and doing that stuff, and the first guy I met, his name was Chef Chad. And he was a Chad, if you know what I mean. Like, he was, he was all, all sorts of things, and, and he didn't really show me anything. He was just like, already, you're ready? Here's how we make the grilled Caesar salad. We're gonna do, and he's just going to town. He's just doing his thing. You, guys, you ever watch MasterChef? You ever see that? No? Just me and Trina? Good to know. Um, like when Gordon Ramsay, he'll do his thing and there are all these home cooks. I know some of you watch it. And you know, Gordon, like, like and he just goes so fast. It's like, no one can actually catch up to you, Gordon. You're Gordon Ramsay. That guy is awesome, by the way. Love Gordon. Anyways, side note. Anyways, it was like so fast. I couldn't keep up with Chef. It was just like, I didn't learn a thing. I was not patient. Wasn't showing me how to make things. And so the first time I made stuff, it like, got, it kept getting sent back. I mean, like, I, I'm sorry. And I was like costing the restaurant money nonstop. And they was just like so annoyed that I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, I think I was close to getting fired. I was like, it had been a few weeks. And also they had like salads, desserts, and pizzas all at once. And so from like three o'clock to 5.30, you would just get slammed. And I'm burning crusts and I'm making tiramisu. It was like tiramisu we, yeah, I know, so creative. This one restaurant, we did do tiramisu rolls, but it was just tiramisu and little sushi rolls. You get it? Tiramisu, tiramisu. Rough crowd tonight. Anyways, and so I was just doing my best to keep up, right? And I'm just totally like, I'm just, Chef Chad is just like screaming at me and just being like, you don't know what you're doing, bro. Like, you're just the worst, man. I'm like, yeah, guy, like, help me out. Like, I'm just looking for someone to slow down and to show me and to teach me and to use words and say, this is how we do it. And at this point, I got switched to a couple morning shifts. And so rather than working like three till 11, I got some like, I can't even remember what it was, but it was like eight to three or seven to three. And so kind of that first lunch rush was still salads and I was learning, but there was this other guy, Chef John, and he actually like stopped and would show me. Like other meals would take longer so he could take the time to properly show me how we actually grilled the romaine and threw on the dressing and why it looked this way. And we used this ramekin because it was this size and you want to use a one third to make sure it's all equal. And we don't want to burn the prawns. This is how you're going to do it. You're going to add some wine. He would show me, no, no, not quite like that. Yeah, that's better. I like the color on that. And he would show me this. And, and I started to really like food. I was like, this is so fun. I feel like Gordon Ramsay. No, you know, you get, you like, you enjoy your work. You're there because you're being taught something. And he's taking his time. And I never, I'll never forget this moment. I like, we had this one night, it was August long weekend, and I'm just getting slammed. I'm keeping up with everything and everything I'm getting sent out is so good. And our executive chef walks out and he starts doing, what's it called? The thing when you like, just call out the tables and do the thing. What? 
Expo, that sounds correct. That sounds like something I remember. And he's just Expo and he's like, hey, what do you say? Keep it going, Lucas, you're doing great. I'm like, thank you so much, I'm so excited. And we're going hard and we're doing this thing. At the end of the shift, my executive chef comes over. He's like, you, like you crushed. It was awesome. Thank who? And chef Chad walks over. He's like, that's my guy. And he starts doing this thing. Like I helped this guy out and was like, easy chat. And I was like, you know what? I want to make sure you know, Chef John taught me every single thing I know. He helped me. I did. I made sure that the executive chef knew Chef Chad was just a real Chad and Chef John was a real dude. And he helped me out. I'm not kidding you. Chef Chad got fired. That's not, that's not even a joke. He like literally lost his job after that because he was just a Chad. You know, he just, if your name is Chad in here, bless your heart and soul. But the point still makes sense where in the fact that this guy took his time he made me want to learn to cook. It's messy. It's harder. It probably like delayed some dishes. There was probably some tables that were a little bit angrier because they didn't get their stuff in time because I had a like a very talented chef showing me piece by piece how we do things. So I'm not asking you to have it all figured out. I don't think, I don't think Paul's even saying it has to be perfect. I think it's very important that when he says in all seasons talk, in any season to talk, correct, rebuke, and encourage, but he's very, it matters a lot that he writes with great patience. Friends, it's messy and it takes time, but guess what? Moving does, building does. It doesn't always happen like that, and that's okay. But if you continually come and you're sharing the good news and you're reminding people of the love of Jesus and inviting them out to things and embracing with your words, hey, there is a God who loves you, who, who really believes in you, I think over time, things begin to click for people. And they begin to get it. And it begins to change them. And they begin to actually see what you're saying. And I think that's what happens. And our goal here is to help move people. I felt moved to cook and to act and to do things. And movers, what we mean by that is movers move people from life, excuse me, death to life. It's not about like fixing them. It's not about correcting everything. It's about showing them that in our pain and suffering, like that song we wrote, we were almost, we're sitting in a grave. But moving people isn't about taking them from just A to B. It's this long road where we walk with people and say, in this life, we choose death. We choose pain. We choose sin. We choose hell. We choose these places, hell even. Like we really, we choose the emptiness, but we show people what it looks like to embrace life. Life and life to the full. Life that's found in Jesus. Life that truly changes you. If we keep going, it says this in verse three, for the time will come, when people will not put up with sound doctrine, this is again, Paul, he's sharing with Timothy, saying, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, this is sounding pretty like pastoral, and I do, that's very key, that's important to know, absolutely. But I think you have to understand we're called to be the, 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 the people who would show the world the love of Jesus. That's our heart. That's our goal. That's as we are close to We all want to be ministers of the Lord. We read that last week. And so it's important to remember that like this isn't, I'm not trying to make it so you just go in again and you're just going all over the place and yelling. And so that's not the heart here. But we are at a time, and I think this matters a lot that if we wanna move people from death to life, if we wanna build people up, if we wanna be people who support people, a church that loves people, we are at a time where we are constantly seeing the gospel bent back and forth, left and right. And here's the thing, people notice, and I really believe that we lose credibility. 
that when we start bending the things, the sound doctrine that's so clear and evident in the scripture, people feel like it's harder to grasp what we're all about. I've had hard conversations lots of times where I strongly disagree with someone and yet they respect honesty and candor and conviction and we can still find a middle ground. There is still a place for that in our culture, in our time. I was reading something this week that then spoke about this specific interview that I went to research. Um, it was this interview that Christopher Hitchens had with a, I believe it was a, a liberal, oh man, United minister. I'll read it to you guys in a second. And it's really interesting. And it's this, it's this known interview and it's something I hadn't heard yet. And I'm actually kind of a fan of Christopher Hitchens. He's a very well-known atheist. He writes tons of books against the Lord. And I just, I find him intriguing. I find him complex. I find his, his story interesting. And he's a prolific writer. He was a prolific writer and, and uh, teacher, if you will. And a guy who went all the world and debated many people. It's super interesting to see him, and this, this whole conversation he has with, with this liberal believer is his title here, the liberal believer, the, the Hitchens transcript. And I went through and I read it, and I just want to read a piece to you if that's okay as I, as I get ready to close here. He has this conversation where, where she's interviewing him about his new book. And it says this, and it's long, I won't get to all of it, obviously. She says, the religion you cite in your book is generally the fundamentalist faith of Christianity. I'm a liberal Christian and I don't take the stories from scripture literally. I don't believe in the doctrine of atonement that Jesus died for our sins, for example. Did you make, did you make any distinction between fundamentalist faith and liberal religion? And Christopher Hitchens, one of the most well-known atheists of all time, perhaps, one of the, like, the, the strongest advocates against evangelism, against preaching the gospel, writes this. I would say that if you don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ and Messiah, that he rose again from the dead, and by his sacrifice, our sins are forgiven, you're really not, in any meaningful sense, a Christian. His words, Hitchens. And then she says this, let me go someplace else, which I thought was funny. When I was in seminary, I was particularly drawn to this specific work. Um, Paul Tillich, a theologian, he shocked people by describing the traditional God as you might as a matter of fact, as an invincible tyrant, he called him. For Tillich, God is the ground of being. It is, it's his response to say Freud's belief that religion is a mere wish of fulfillment and it comes, for the, and comes from the human sphere of death. That's what he talks, that's what this person says, Tillich. What do you think of that concept of God? And this is how Hitchin responds again. I would classify, he says, that under the heading, I would classify that, that statement, under the heading of statements that have no meaning at all. That's what he says. He says Christianity was, was founded by Jesus and propelled by Paul. This is Hitchens. He knows, he knows his Pauline literature better than I do. Paul says very clearly that if it's not true that Jesus rose from the dead, then we Christians are all people the most unhappy. He said, if all Christians were like you, I wouldn't have a book to write about. But okay. I'm not trying to hate on this person at all, but this interview has gone down in history apparently as the atheist who became the evangelist. Now, we, if you know Hitchens' story, he never can, he, I don't believe he came to faith in any way, shape, or form, from my understanding. But there is danger here. I want to say that out loud. That even just the understanding of atonement, that God, yes, that Jesus went to the cross for our sin. Like, friends, we have to be mindful here. We have to be careful here. There are broken people 
in the world. And if we do not, hear me, if we do not see that and say, and say, listen, there is a story I need to share with you. There is a God who really loves you. There is a Messiah, someone who really did come to save our souls, to heal our brokenness, to restore and reconcile and redeem the harshest and hardest places in our life that I need you to know. If we do not share that, if we do not preach that, if we don't come with some strong, honestly, like ethic around what Jesus did, we're just gonna look inauthentic. He literally says, that's no Christian at all. To your, to your, like, to your face, I can't imagine how awkward, I don't like awkward moments, like an awkward movie in a movie, and I'm, ask Trina, I will get up to get some water. Like, I can't handle it. Even in like a rom-com with Matthew McConaughey, and you know what's coming, can't do it. I won't do it. The awkwardness and tension here is so, like, you can sense it even as I read it. Brokenness doesn't need an inauthentic response. It doesn't. Brokenness doesn't discriminate. Everyone faces it. Brokenness doesn't heal from, from hallmark answers or, or theoretical ideas about God. Brokenness needs gospel preached, a grace that's willing to come beside, a person who's willing to share, to love, to be patient, to show the love of Jesus, to preach the love of Jesus. If we want to be movers and builders, builders build people who are broken. And we can't come to the brokenhearted with an inauthentic, no real response, no doctrine response. We gotta come with grace that that matters, that is theological, that is sound, with love that matters, that sacrifices, that is willing. We have to come with a mercy and a message that is the gospel, not watered down, not built up by something we've done, but just as it is, truth and grace in its absolute beauty. Are you hearing me tonight? This really matters, because people are actually broken. No, like, guy, people are really hurting and suffering, and there's people who are dealing with suicidal thoughts and depression. And there's people who, I was just praying with someone recently who, who's battling a really tough relationship. And there's people who are struggling even in their own identity. There's people who feel so broken and we gotta build those people up. We gotta move people from death to life. We gotta show the gospel. And there is a charge at hand here and Paul has put it on Timothy. And now I'm reading that and feel that same call. And I wanna encourage us as the body together to feel that call as well, to truly make a difference. I want to move for those who are hurt. I want to build up those who are broken. I want to leave the world like Paul leaves it here. And this is, this is my end here. This is verse six. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, he writes. And the time for my departure is near. You've read this or seen this probably before. I don't know. If, if you're willing, maybe you want to close your eyes as you hear this. You don't have to. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. He's speaking of heaven, friends. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I don't want to be morbid in here, but I want to leave the world in the same place. I want to leave knowing that I fought the good fight. That I did everything I could to build those who are broken. That I was never timid in sharing the gospel. I want to say that I did my very best and tried to make a difference every day, that I finished the race and I deserved that water at the end. You guys know I talked about that water at the end of the race last time, right? Like, I want to, I want to finish that way. And as Christ poured himself out for us on the cross, as Paul gave his life up, he asked us to do the same. He asked us to pour out ourselves for him and others. 
I wanna go into a moment of communion here and the, t- the team is coming. So I hope you have your cup with you as we close and get ready to go to Friendsgiving. And I see Bren going to get a cup. I think he, he needed one. If you need a cup, Bren can come by and, and quickly get you one. And just as the team gets ready and we get ready to take communion, I just wanna say two things. I want these last two weeks to have stirred your heart. Like I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor. I, I want these last two weeks to have encouraged you. I don't want you to feel like this massive weight that's now on you. Because we just sang a song about who shouldered the weight. Trina came up and showed us who, and, and, and proclaimed to us who has overcome. We, we go and we, we, we move and we build and we're called. We do that with Jesus. You're not alone in this. This isn't now on you. This is a charge we take with him, beside him, ready to serve him. And I think when you really catch a glimpse of the grace of Jesus and you recognize that when that great commission is said that he says, and I will be with you always until the end of the age in Matthew 28. When you know that you have grace that goes with you and you know that it's a person and his name is Jesus, I think you're, you'll be shocked at to the places and in the, in the, in the ways you will go. I see Jeremy so down here and I, I don't know if there's more of that team, but there's, he's headed on Tuesday to, to do submissions work for the next 10 days. I see another missionary in the corner here who does work in countries I'm not even sure I'm allowed to share. I don't think it's a preacher who, who made the, those two gentlemen, I know for a fact, and there might be more in here, want to go. I don't think it was just like a really compelling story or an interview. grace of Jesus. That's why our first pillar is to know him, to know Jesus. Because when you know him, when his grace resounds so deep in your heart, when, when this isn't just the thing you do on the first Sunday of the month, but it becomes a significant moment where you relish and cherish the sacrifice of Jesus, you're compelled to go to the ends of the earth. You're compelled to preach to your brother or sister who doesn't know the Lord. You're compelled to get messy and do the hard work with coworkers. You're compelled to wait patiently and give careful instruction on how Jesus loves those around you. You're compelled. Not because of any fancy thing I'm doing up here, because of what he's done. And so I wanna end with communion because I think if we can get a full picture of that, with what Jesus has done, the idea of moving people who are in need of life and building the people around us who are broken, building them up will seem so much clearer and that you'll know that you're not alone in it because we go with him. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about the Last Supper and he says, for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread which is this, this symbol here. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. You see, Jesus was foreshadowing what was to come, but now we see from the other side, his body broken for you and me. And that's why this church, at Coastline Church, we often will encourage you to break the bread. As a symbol of what happened on the cross, his body broken for you and for me. The weight 
of all sin and shame on him for you and for me. Because he loves you, he went to the cross for you and me. And in this moment, we remember that as we partake together. Later on, Paul writes, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, he's showing the significance that, that we, and we sing the song that a God who weeps, a God who bleeds, that Jesus' blood shed for you and for me, that he loved you enough to pay the ultimate price. Let's take it together. And then Paul writes, whenever you eat this bread or drink this blood, or drink this cup, excuse me, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I know this, this might be a bit foreign for some of you, but our heart is that there would be a significant realization and remembrance of the cross right now. So would you stand to your feet? I wanna pray over you. We're gonna go, we're gonna have fun in a moment, but let's not rush this. Will you just open your arms, stretch out your hands. With your eyes closed, let me pray over you, just to receive Posture yourself in a way to receive. Posture yourself in a way that truly says, God, I'm open to hearing from you. Move in my heart. Remind me that your grace, your grace is so large. It is, it's not bound by anything, that it goes so deep, that the deepest hurts I have, I know, can be changed in a moment because your grace is enough. So God, tonight we pray to you, to the one who knows all, who sees all, God, like it's already been said over this, this crowd tonight, I pray that every person in here would have a significant realization right now that your grace covers all, that your grace is enough, that, that, that you saw us in our worst state and said, I choose them, I'm still gonna die for them, for you. God, right now, we just, we sit in that. We say, thank you, Lord, for saving us. And God, I pray that your grace and your love and your sacrifice, which is so incredible, would move us to move others, would build in us a strength to go and build in others. God, would we seek out the brokenhearted to make sure that they know, like we once were, that once we were broken, and yet now we have been made and restored new. God, that once we were hurting, once we were shallow, once we were, were struggling, and yet, God, you lifted us up. You placed our feet. We are now in a significant moment on the rock where we feel that we are on top of you, God, the cornerstone that you have put us in a spot where nothing can shake us, nothing can move us. So, God, I pray over every person here that we'd feel a significant move in our spirit, that you'd move amongst every single person, that we'd know that you are here, that you are real, that you are loving. We love you, Jesus. We sing to you now because of your grace and your love. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Help us to be bold in preaching and moving and in building in others. And everybody said, come on, church. And everybody said, amen. Amen.